All right, hey everybody. Welcome to episode seven of Reliving the Lights, a Friday Night Lights rewatch podcast. My name is Josh Kuypers. I'm here with my co-host. I'm Anthony Hookman. And we are excited to talk about episode seven, uh, Homecoming. Homecoming. Yes. So uh, we're excited to have you with us. I guess it's uh, tradition now. Anthony, what are you drinking tonight uh, as we record? I have got a Kraken rum and Diet Coke in my Big Daddy <laughs> Dirtbag mug from uh, O'Hare's Bar here in Brookings, South Dakota. Nice. You are a, a good local bar and brewery supporter. I feel like I you do an excellent job uh, of that. So kudos yeah. to you on that. I have a Westo Raspberry Shandy, which I bought for my wife, but have been kind of claiming for myself over the last week. <laughs> so, yeah, we are big proponents of the the local the local brews. I feel like we've kept it Iowa, South Dakota, or Minnesota pretty much the entire time. I mean, I don't know where Kraken is from, but that's... It's definitely not from the Midwest, but I am yeah. drinking it out of a local mug, which is exactly or something. Yep. Yep. All right, so we'll just get right into it tonight. Um, Homecoming, released November 14, 2006. Anthony, do you have the IMDb up right away, the synopsis from yes. our friend Movie Dude 1? <laughs> yes, I certainly do. Movie Dude 1 uh, is pulling through every single week, and I, yeah. I hope it, can, it continues that way. God bless him. Uh, shout out Movie Dude 1. We'd love to have you on sometime. <laughs> That's good. Actually, I'll, I'll see if I can reach out to him somehow yeah. on IMDb. That <laughs> uh, all right. So the synopsis is as follows. Coach Taylor asks Jason to attend the upcoming homecoming game, who begins to uh, suspect there's something going on between Tim and Lila. Smash feels the pressure of college scouts, even though he's still a junior. Mm-hmm. Tyra and Billy plan the ultimate party after the game. Uh, Got it. You know, movie dude one, I'm, I'm just going to be constructively critical here. First of all, the the phrasing of the entire first sentence is a mess. <laughs> yeah, that is. I, I had to really that. like. Grammatically. Whole, yeah, that's terrible. Bad. Also, you spelled Lila, L-I-L-A. And it's How do obviously. You sp- it's is it? L-Y-L-A. Okay, because as I'm taking notes on each episode, I never know how to spell Lila, and I never know how to spell Tammy. So, what do we uh, got Lila here? is L-Y-L-A. Tammy okay. is T-A-M-I. That's how I've been spelling it, and IMDb agrees with me. Okay, well, we're, we're definitely taking IMDb as, as the truth there. So, uh, it's settled. I will remember that for future note-taking. But, yeah. Uh, movie dude one, we love you, but uh, study some grammar. You're still a friend of the show. Yeah, but we would love to have you on. I might have to make an edit to this one, movie dude one. I, I apologize. <laughs> yes, uh, I do feel like we need to be contributing to the IMD IMDb page uh, for like some episodes don't even have quotes listed, so I feel like we can contribute there. But yeah. I don't want to step on movie dude one's toes on trying to submit. Uh, competing synopsis or or anything like that. So, um, yeah. Thanks, Movie Dude 1. We salute you. We All right. So, this episode starts out and much like... Uh, I can't remember which episode it was, but we start out with the drunk Tim right yeah. off the bat. 
And yeah, so we've got the homecoming pep rally going on. And I do want to talk about that right off the bat. Yeah. Because much like the wind sprints episode, there's Mm -hmm. some confusion in the amount of time for me. Okay. Because right off the bat, we've got Tim drunk at the homecoming rally. He's just holding a solo cup. Yes. At a very public, uh, assumedly uh, school event. Yeah, and nobody seems to care except for nope. Lila, who Lila is calls like, him on it. Tim, it's 7 a.m. and you're drunk. I'm assuming it's 7 p.m., but yes. Oh, does she only say 7? She says 7. I'm assuming okay. it's at night. I'm assuming they're not having a pep rally at 7 a.m., but yes. Then that would clarify. <laughs> I'm going to take back everything I said about the time confusion. Okay. Because yeah. shortly thereafter, after, shortly thereafter, it's dark outside and this pep rally is still going on and i was like what is going on in the town of dylan they're yes. throwing some sort of all day several, i mean 12 hours like 15 hour yeah like because it's like what august september Maybe? yeah it's the third game of the season plus a bye week i guess in texas right? like that's Maybe. gotta be it's gotta be go to at least nine o'clock <laughs> yeah so <laughs> we'll say 7 p.m that would make a lot more sense <laughs> yeah uh but either way 7 p.m he's drunk at a school function it's not good i would also like to point out that Tim is rocking the jersey with no shirt underneath. <laughs> I don't know. I watched this episode twice, and that was one of the the observations I made on second watch of like, <laughs> I don't know, not a not a major thing, but you know, everyone else at least has the decency to throw on a, a white t shirt <laughs> underneath. <laughs> but Tim just just yeah, sporting the bare chest underneath the jersey. I'm personally a big believer in not wearing undershirts Ooh. almost in any occasion. Yeah, really. I like okay. when I wear dress shirts, I not only do I not wear an undershirt, I actually button down to show off a little bit of the brown sugar. <laughs> the brown sugar. All right. Well, I guess I am wearing a basketball jersey right now with nothing underneath, but I think this, that is uh, acceptable. You can't barely see it, but this mug says Reverend Brown Sugar, which was uh, <laughs> a personalized mug that was made for me in the O'Hare's Mug Club. Um that was actually a nickname given to me the summer that I worked in Okaboji because I always buttoned down my uh, restaurant shirt to show well, off a little bit of the brown sugar. So and, you, and you were actually a reverend. I'm an ordained minister. So that's, yeah, I came about. So Okay, so real, to, real quickly, tell us how you became an ordained minister. What was the process on that? So I went to a wedding in Kadoka, South Dakota. <laughs> Shout out Gateway of the Badlands. And... Um, and it was performed by the bride's brother-in-law. So her her sister's husband. Okay. And after so we, we were there, it was it was a pretty small wedding. So like everybody got invited to the rehearsal and the wedding. So mm-hmm. after the rehearsal, I kind of pulled him aside and I said, Hey man, um, what did you have to do to get ordained? And he was like, I was in a hospital waiting room when I was bored or and <laughs> And I did it. And so I was like, it's that night in my hotel room. Uh, <laughs> I, I did it. And and now I'm an ordained minister. So, <laughs> well, congratulations. Uh, I will start referring to you on all episode descriptions as Reverend Anthony. Thank you. Or Reverend Brown Sugar, I guess. Yes, it's, yes, uh, please. Is the proper term. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so Tim is is drunk at, at what we're gonna say is seven p.m. Yes, at a at a pep rally of sorts. It's it's homecoming week. Um, so, uh, there's a little dance team routine that Lila's on. She comes down and Tim just immediately is, is, uh, yeah. So waste of time or what I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's basically like bringing back their, their previous conversation of, yeah. And they've got kind of like the washed up team of 2000 class of 2000 or the, the 2000 team on the stage with the mayor. Yep, state champions back in 2000. Yes. Yep. And they play the radio broadcast of the <laughs> yes. winning play. And Buddy Garrity. <laughs> He's got every word memorized. He is lip syncing <laughs> the radio broadcast. Not only, like, this is an amazing Buddy Garrity moment. Absolutely. And honestly, it's maybe the only Buddy Garrity moment in this he's episode. He's not, yeah. Like, for the next two episodes, he's barely in this. Yeah. But Very yeah. little Buddy. But this moment where, like, he didn't know that they were going to play this specific moment. He has just listened to it <laughs> so often. Like, oh, I've gosh. got so many. Because, I mean, in 2000, in South Dakota, you could watch, like, on SDPB. Yeah, absolutely. It was on TV. Yep. So why has Buddy Garrity been listening to the radio broadcast? Because he was definitely in attendance at the state championship, right? (laughs) But he somehow, yes, has the state championship recorded and memorized (laughs) and off the top of his head, ready to go. It is. It adds a real layer of pathetic (laughs) to Buddy Garrity's life. But he's loving it. He does not see this pathetic. He He is like, ooh. I haven't yeah. seen him this happy since Voodoo Tatum was on the team. I got my mojo. <laughs> Whatever that is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so we've got Lila and Tim having this little exchange. Lila is just reaming out Tim. Uh, she's tearing him down. And I'm going to assume that she's tearing him, him down to make herself feel better about herself. Because it was not that long ago where she was worried about going straight to hell. Uh, herself, but she is talking about Tim's just awful. Um, <clears throat> I started off right off uh, beer tally once again, right at yep. the top of the episode. Uh, we don't know what's in the blue cup, but we're gonna assume it's. I'm gonna assume it's a beer. It's a beer or the equivalent of a beer, right? So that's that's one, and we can probably assume more, but we're just. Gonna, I'm gonna say one yep. for this. Um, I, I think yeah, only on screen beers count. Technically, <laughs> right. except for the beers in the bag that clinked, which implies at least two. We, yep. our system makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we. I feel good about our consistency in this so far. Uh, I would also like to point point out that in the the radio play by play that Buddy is mouthing every word along to, um, that the last. The state championship was won on the last play of the game, <laughs> which is 100% of the games that we are aware of that the Dylan yes. Panthers have played so far have been won in the last play of the game. Um, so that's that's very consistent so far with Dylan Panther football. We meet uh, Lucas Mize, the state uh, championship winning quarterback. And he is talking to Coach and Smash. And then Lucas introduces Smash to the prospect scout, Grady Hunt, who is apparently a big deal 
in the yes. college football world. He kind of creates this list of the top 100 players. And if you're on that list, that's a really big deal. And you're going to get a good college scholarship and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Smash meets Grady Hunt and he goes hard in self-promotion <laughs> right off the bat. Like telling him his his bench press and his uh, 40-yard dash time and all that <laughs> right off the bat. So um, we meet Grady Hunt and Lucas Mize, who will... Um, play a big a big part in this episode. Yes. Really, no other episode, but this episode they're a big it's a big deal. episode for for Lucas for sure. Yep. So meanwhile, we've got um, after we see this meeting with uh, Smash and Lucas and and Grady and Coach, we see Coach presumably the next day. Yep. And he's uh, chatting with Street at the rehab center and mm-hmm. asks him to come to the homecoming game. Yep. And Street's kind of on the fence. Um, not really sure if he wants to do it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, should we just dive right into the Jason Street arc of this episode? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's stick there because it's definitely separate from the the rest of the happenings for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jason, yeah, is asked to come to the homecoming game and kind of lead the team out. But his roommate Herc at rehab has some concerns about that, about not wanting to make Jason into a mascot for the team that it is he didn't use these words but demeaning and kind of i don't know uh tokenizing or whatever you want to say exactly yep 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 and so you kind of see in in streets uh demeanor that he he kind of emotionally decides he's not going to do it Mm -hmm. um and then later on we see street meeting with lila yes and he kind of says he asks her about uh, Riggins, and this is in the pool, right? Yep, they're in the pool, and yeah, he brings it up. Hey, are you seeing? Says, yeah, more are of... you seeing Riggins a lot? Yep, and she's like, "No, nah, not any more than normal." And she can tell that he knows something, but she doesn't expand upon it. And he yep. kind of, you can see in his face that he's still not sure about, but he he also trusts his girlfriend. Yep. So then Jason and Herc later on are in the weight room. And they're lifting and Lila calls Jason, but Jason tells Herc to let it ring. And this is my outdated pop culture reference. The phone that Jason has is a Nokia brick phone, (laughs) (laughs) which my mom had. My mom had a blue Nokia brick phone. And uh, I think they're pretty sweet. I honestly sometimes wish that I had a Nokia brick phone. You know, no really LED screen, LCD screen, nothing like that. But yeah, you that's got your, you got your snake. You got your. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. I did calls. have an LCD that's screen because you could play snake. Yeah. Yep. You got your phone calls and that's it. Um, phone calls and snake. But anyway, um, so so Herc is warning Jason about being a mascot for the team. But then Lila calls and Jason kind of confides in Herc that he is concerned that maybe Lila is cheating on him with his best friend. <laughs> and Herc changes his opinion. He's like, oh, no, 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 Never mind. I changed my mind. You got to go to the game. Like, <laughs> you got to get out there. So Jason uh, decides in that moment, Lila kind of convinces him um, in a later phone call. Which, okay, then Lila calls him later, and I'm pretty sure that Jason is then talking on a flip phone. So what is it? Yeah, no, I noticed that too, because I almost thought instead of a brick phone, it almost looked to me like a landline, like cordless phone. 
Oh, do you that, think that she called him on? That's what I thought. Cause I, I guess- noticed the same thing that I was like, I forget there was that weird period in there in what would have been 2006. Uh, yeah. Everybody still had landlines and they had caller ID because I'm pretty sure at that point, like to try to catch up with cell phones, the landlines were like, oh yeah, you can just have caller ID for free. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's maybe what the case was, but I, I'm not hundred percent sure. Okay. That, that would make a little more sense. Except that why would they have a landline like right in the weight room that Jason? Yeah, Williams that doesn't make sense. Calls on. But, but definitely 2006 was the in-between period because texting, when I was like a freshman and sophomore, texting was just, just becoming yeah. a thing. But I still had a landline phone in my dorm room. Okay. So that I could get calls like from around campus and stuff. Sure. But so, <laughs> yeah, uh, brick phone, flip phone, not sure. Either way. Uh, he gets Jay- a call from an outdated phone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, an outdated, yeah, an outdated phone. Um, and so Lila and Jason are talking on the phone. Lila kind of convinces him like, hey, I want you there. Everybody wants you there. Um, this is my other outdated pop culture reference. Uh, he asked Lila what she's wearing. And yes. he says, is it Kermit or Miss Piggy? Yeah. She's <laughs> like, Jason, that was eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> like, which Lila, who was supposed to be like the nice Christian girl, how would Jason Street know what she was wearing in eighth grade? In eighth grade? <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah. yeah. So not sure only buddy outdated, would, you know, but that is questionable. Uh, <laughs> morally, for sure. But Jason decides through all that, that he is going to go to the homecoming game. There is also a short conversation with his family mm-hmm. that, that also plays into that decision. I only yes. noted street family discussed Jason potentially returning to the game for homecoming. So I don't remember much about that conversation, but I know that it happened. What I noted about it was that there was a lot of tension between Mrs. Street and Mr. Street. Mm-hmm. That they were on opposite sides of this and that it was very apparent that they were not necessarily at a very healthy point in their relationship. I don't remember for sure, but I'm going to assume that that comes into play later that the streets are struggling uh, in the midst of this catastrophic family situation that they're in the midst of. Absolutely. And then street of course makes the appearance. He kind of is the person who busts through the, uh, you know, the uh, banner. banner. Yep. The, the classic high school busting through the banner. He, he comes through the, the crowd kind of, I don't know. Do they kind of fall silent a little they bit? They have a moment of silence for sure right away. And yep. then, then they come around and cheer. Yeah. Raucous applause after mm-hmm. that. But so let's put that storyline on hold because I feel like that then intersects with Riggins and stuff after the game. Yes. So that's kind of Jason up until this point. Let's move on from that to a storyline that really didn't do anything for me. Okay. Which is the Tyra and Billy plan a party arc. Yes. This contributes nothing to the overall story of Friday Night Lights. A little bit entertaining, but real, yeah, not... (laughs) It not does not matter at all. At we all. could, we could, and honestly, this. Yeah. it's almost voided at the beginning of the next episode, which we'll get into in the next episode. Right. Yes. I, yeah, I, I feel you there. 
Um, so just to get it out of the way, Billy Riggins, which is Tim Riggins' older brother, and Tyra, Tim Riggins' ex-girlfriend off and on? Yes and no? Currently um, ex-girlfriend as of this episode. <laughs> we see them conspiring at the local strip club. Which we later find out to be the Landing Strip, which is a <laughs> great strip club name. Excellent strip club name. Yep. Um, they're kind of conspiring to throw a huge party after the homecoming game. I guess we, we find out that Tyra's older sister works at She's the an Landing employee. Strip. Yes, employee yep. at the Landing Strip. And we're assuming that Tyra is a 15, 16-year-old girl hanging out at a strip club? Yes. She is definitely not a senior. Yep. And, and we're going to yeah. assume that Billy Riggins is what? 24? Uh, well, no, yeah. that'd be like 10 years older than Tim. So out of high school. No, not 10. Well, I think it's unreasonable for him to be 24. Because Tim's a sophomore, Tim's which be like is 16. like 16. Yeah, you're right. That'd be an eight-year difference. But like... Somewhere between... You know, 20 and 24. My oldest brother is nine years younger than me. It's not completely unreasonable to think that they right. may be that distance, but yeah, you know, considerably older. Who knows? Considerably older. He looks older than me, and I'm 32. <laughs> right. He definitely, so, like, he's in his like mid to upper 30s, but yeah, but, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll assume he's in his early, early to mid 20s. Yeah. So anyway, they're, they're conspiring within a strip club. Go ahead. He's certainly too old to be hanging out at a strip club with a high school girl, a brother's yeah. boyfriend or not, or brother's. Yeah. And re- regardless of what year in high school she is. Yeah. Billy Riggins, not cool. This is a real, real predator move for yeah. Billy Riggins. Even though I don't think that he looks at Tyra sexually. Well, but Jason, uh, Tim makes some accusations otherwise. But. Right. But yeah. So anyway, they're they're talking about throwing a huge party after the homecoming game. Tyra's older sister. Do you remember what her name is? We don't find out yet, but I don't. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out eventually. She'll she'll <clears throat> return to the show. Yep. She kind of is is throwing some shade on that, poo-pooing it a little bit. But uh then Billy goes home and he offers Tim a beer right off the bat, and I got really excited right away. I was like, oh yes. Another beer tally, but then no, no. Tim refuses that beer, and he quit drinking. So yeah, we had one at the very beginning, right? But then mm-hmm. that that one did that was a that was a psych out. That was a fake out. Uh, no beer for Tim there. And we're to assume, at least how I took it, that he is. Uh, trying to improve himself as a person because of Lila. Yeah, because of that conversation he had with Lila where she basically belittled him and tore him down. And so now he's he's gonna he's gonna turn over a new leaf. He's gonna be a new man and he's quitting drinking. And later we see him like running and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> yes. He yep. is getting uh he's getting in shape. He's getting to work out and we're gonna see a little bit of that Tim Riggins Later in this episode, yes, which in the homecoming is a very, game, very good moment for Tim Riggins. But mm, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I don't want to get ahead of it, but I I love it when Tim Riggins has success on the football field. It is, yeah, it makes me very happy. So we see Landry and Saracen uh, get our first kind of taste of those guys. Yeah, are go we going to stick to the just the Tyra and Billy storyline? Oh, to sure, sure, sure. Way. Yep, we can do that. So later on, Tyra brings Billy to the 
the locale that she has in mind yep. for the party, which is kind of out in, it's very reminiscent of small town, South Dakota, actually. <laughs> yeah. You kind of had the gravel pits that you could, you oh, know, yeah. everybody would get together and drink at. It's uh-huh. basically a gravel pit, the Texas equivalent of a, of a gravel pit. And the, honestly, I, I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of knowledge of this. This was not my high school experience, which I'll get, I'll actually get into later. Um, but sure. Yeah. Gravel pits. Empty, <laughs> empty fields. Yeah, yes. that's right on. And uh, there's a scene where they're buying all the booze for <laughs> the party. And I don't remember the specific numbers. I actually didn't write it down. I, I have just the have number. A, okay. I just have a note that must have been around that time that I just put Tyra Billy party subplot not doing much for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the number The number is 22 kegs of beer. That they've got for this party. Uh, I, I haven't looked up like how many uh, glasses of beer there are in 22 kegs. It's a lot. It's a, yeah. That is an unreasonable amount of beer. If for I, like a small town high school party. <laughs> yeah. I feel like like for my sister's weddings, we got maybe like three kegs of beer. And it was plenty. I think... About a wedding that I went to last summer. I won't use any names. Okay. Uh, because they may be listening to this show. <laughs> For sure, a sibling. It was Alex Hertz's wedding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Hertz come up again. Okay. Yes. We love the Hertz. Friends of the show. All five of them. The word on the street at that wedding was that the the husband's, the groom's father basically was like, Here's $4,000 at one open bar. I imagine that the exchange rate between South Dakota in 2019 and Texas, Dillon, Texas, or a small town, you know, mid-sized town, Texas in 2006 are roughly the same. Yep. That makes sense. There was like nice bottles of wine at this wedding. Uh Uh-huh. I and I probably shouldn't have mentioned that number because it may just be hearsay. So Chase, I know you're listening to this. I apologize if that's <laughs> not true or the case, but um 22 kegs <laughs> okay for a high school party <laughs> in what is a town that I'm going to guess is about 50,000. I'm going to estimate Dillon to be about the size of like Aberdeen, South Dakota. Yep. Because there's only one high school in the entire town until season four. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. It can't be a, a very big town. I'm going to say 50,000 max. Uh huh. To buy 22 kegs, I think could get the entire 50,000 person <laughs> population. Drunk. Uh, okay. So I actually, I just looked it up while you were talking <laughs> uh, in a keg of beer. So that's 15.5 gallons of beer per keg. In in one keg of beer, there is roughly 165 servings, which is 12 ounces, which is the amount of a can. So 165 cans of beer per keg. That equals 3,630 cans of beer in 22 kegs of beer. So let's uh let's let's break that down into 12 packs. That's 36, 30 divided by 12. That is 302 12 packs of beer that we're talking. 
That is an unreasonable amount of, and that's not all they bought either, isn't it? No, they had like boxes of liquor that they were loading into the pickup while at the the liquor barn is where they were buying it. We don't like we see a, a bit of what happens in the morning after the party. Yeah, there had to have been if this party actually happened, a situation where they're like, we've got a ridiculous amount of leftover alcohol. <laughs> right. Can we sell this back to the distributors or <laughs> whatever? Yeah. All right. So they're actually, yeah, we can skip forward to the next morning because we actually do see that. Uh, and so we see kind of the aftermath of the party of what's going on and they made some money. Yeah. Uh, Billy Riggins wakes up on the hood of a convertible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, slobbering all over the windshield and he goes into <laughs> this like abandoned school bus where yeah, Tyra what? is. I didn't think about that, but now that you mentioned that, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Tyra's in there counting money and she's like, oh yeah, we made like $4,000. And Billy says, how do I know that you didn't pocket some of that money uh, mm-hmm. for the entry fee? And she says, the same reason I know that you're not going to cut me out of those tips that you made. Yeah. And immediately after that, Billy Riggins reaches into all four of his pockets one yeah. by one he just and starts- is just pulling out wads. <laughs> yeah, wads upon wads upon wads. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So the 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 precise number was 4,680 plus four wads. Yeah, which <laughs> so had, we don't know the denominations of those uh, bills or, or anything, no, but, but I even have to if imagine. they're small, it's it's substantial. Yeah, uh, they were charging twenty twenty dollars a person to get in, is what we saw, and it was an open bar. But so okay, well, I want to do the math on that then. Uh, <laughs> four thousand six hundred eighty divided by twenty. Is 234. I feel like that. Okay. Yeah. It looks like about 234 yeah. people. That's, That's reasonable. Sure. Yep. I mean, like, even like Saracen was there and he wasn't drinking. And Julie Taylor was there. She wasn't drinking. And Landry was there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to, yeah. I wanted to talk about this. For That's sure. 75 easy dollars right there. <laughs> yeah. They're not, they're not drinking anything. <laughs> In fact, okay. Let's get into this. Uh, <laughs> Tyra's sister, Landry goes up to the, like, is going to, like, pour himself a drink. And yes. Tyra's sister is like, come back in four years. <laughs> what? what? I, this whole party is based on underage drinking. Why is she <laughs> shutting him down for a drink? I don't get it. That was great. I totally forgot about that moment. Yes. Yeah. And then Landry's like, uh, can I get that in writing? <laughs> <laughs> Landry, who's so sure that he won't even look... High school age and four more. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't understand that at all. Um, but Matt and Julie are there. Let's let's get back to Matt and Julie later because I yes. feel like there's a significant moment there. Yes. Um, but but we'll come back to it. So the party is a success. Billy and Tyra make a lot of money, and that is pretty much the only thing you need to know about this storyline. Yes, it really let's holds get- no other significance. Let's get back into the chronological uh, of the episode because those are kind of the two big uh, arcs of the episode. Yes. So uh, we do get a scene of Landry trying to talk Matt into asking Julie out. Yeah. So (laughs) Julie, they're at the party. Julie says, 
So it must feel pretty good winning the big game, big homecoming game and all. And then there's like a long pause. <laughs> and then Matt says, uh, well, you going to date, go on a date with me? <laughs> you want to go on a date with me? And then Julie yes. says, uh, <laughs> and, he says, and then, uh, Sarazen says, maybe or, well, that's not, I just thought I'd throw that out there. That's probably a bad idea. <laughs> Yes, that's well. That's after the game. I'm talking about the scene where Landry is trying to talk Saracen into doing. Oh, 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 okay. I don't have anything additional written down. Just Landry is trying to talk Matt into asking out Julie. (laughs) Yeah, Landry and Matt are are in the car, and Landry is pushing pretty hard for for Matt to ask out Julie. He mentions something about needing to have the eye of the tiger, and (laughs) and all that. Uh, you know, we just in real time, I know this is episode seven, but episode two just released today and we put a Twitter poll out of who I would be as a, <laughs> yeah. um, as an, as an FNL character and the, the overwhelming consensus is Landry. Yep. And that very moment of Landry trying to talk Saracen into asking out Julie is a real, like, I can't even deny my... <laughs> Because <laughs> that was totally me in high school. It was like, you do it, man. You you could do it. <laughs> you got this. Uh, well, kind of up the side. And and I'm assuming you had about as much experience as Landry in less girls. <laughs> less. Uh, so we do get a scene where Lucas Mize shows up at practice and is really reliving the glory days. Oh man! Um, but he is encouraged by is it Smash? Smash, yeah, Smash. Like you got to show us that you still got it, you know. Yeah. And so <laughs> Lucas is is throwing throwing some real spirals. And- Can I just say very basic passes? <laughs> the state championship winning quarterback is out there throwing like ten yard slants. And the team is blown away. By oh, my it, gosh. They are loving it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Smash does catch a really nice a really nice pass. And uh, this will come up later in my, my quote of the episode. <laughs> but uh, Grady Hunt is there, the prospect scout. Yes. And he says, uh, he, <laughs> Smash catches a pass. And, and Grady says, nice hands. And then Coach Max says, soft as a Tijuana hooker. <laughs> which we we come to find out later that mac coach mac is not the most refined uh eloquent person shall we say yeah. and that is that is great evidence and foreshadowing of <laughs> mac's later uh insensitive comments for yes. sure yes yeah. and smash does get a message from grady and um he's very very cocky about it he is in his smash zone. <laughs> Man, yeah. Which we love to see. We like it. Um, I'm not sure it serves him well in this episode. But That's true. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. But yep. he gets his redemption later on. We get a scene where Lucas and Coach are having like lunch in the cafeteria. I thought it was a, like a barbecue joint. Okay, that might be it. It just yep. like they were on like a bleacher situation. Yes. Yep, which is yeah, pretty classic That's barbecue. True. Yep. Shared tables and all that. So he kind of tells coach like I don't have an insurance agency. Yeah, he had been uh, building up this story about himself that he Yeah, was, about how he was actually successful. In Dallas. Yep. Yeah, successful selling insurance in Dallas and coach is like so how'd you land in Dallas? And he's like <laughs> 
yeah, turns out I'm, any. Yeah. Turns out I'm a failure. Yeah. Pretty much every aspect of life. Doesn't have an agency. He dropped out of college. Um, yeah. Like, was it, it kind of involved a girl, right? And he's got a kid yeah. that he never, either never sees or sees very rarely, according <laughs> yeah. to coach's testimony right. later. In the yeah, coach is unclear on that. Yep. And he asked coach for a job and it gets real uncomfortable <laughs> real fast at the barbecue joint for sure. And then later we see uh, Coach and Tammy talking about it. Coach kind of fills Tammy in on what they talked about. And then I have a I have a quote from Tammy and her response is, you know, the problem is, is this town. This town makes these teenage kids into idols and they get out of here and everybody's not just giving them something all the time. They don't know what to do with themselves and they fall flat on their faces. It's a shame. Um, when Tammy said that quote, Angie had a what I like to call like the middle-aged woman during a church sermon moment where she was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, preach. <laughs> yep. Come right. on. Come That's on. Right. <laughs> She's right. Yep. And I think we can all, like, I think we can agree with Angie there. We and can. At our, at our amens to the mm-hmm. end of that, for sure. And, you know, I work at a college and I don't want to, like, uh, disparage or anything like college athletics or anything like that. I think it's really important and really good, but at the same time, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Like set you up for feeling like this is the all important, all kind of encompassing thing that life is all about. And then all of a sudden it's not (laughs) and life hits you hard. So we do get a meeting between uh, Lucas and coach and coach kind of breaks to him and says, listen, if this was maybe the beginning of the season or a different time, we'd maybe have something for you, but we're, you know, three games deep. Yeah. We we don't have anything for you. And Lucas is, he doesn't take the news very well. No, he's pretty jerkish about the whole deal. He feels pretty owed. And we do find out earlier in the episode that he and coach kind of have a background that he, he, um, there's a scene where Lucas, I think tells Mrs. Coach or somebody, He's like, he used to come down every day my sophomore year and 22 miles, 22 which miles. I laughed about. <laughs> he used to drive 22 miles every Friday or something. But coach who like immediately is like, I needed the money. <laughs> he defends himself yeah. very quickly. So we do find out that they do kind of have a history. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, Lucas is, does not take it well that coach does not have a job for him. No, he's upset for sure. Um, meanwhile, I do need to jump back into because I do have this written down and I skipped over it accidentally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Tyra and Billy subplot, the only <laughs> thing that I liked about it, we do get a glimpse of Billy's background as he was apparently an exceptional golfer. Yes, I also had that noted. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, that's, that's really all I have written down, but I really wanted to note it that he, is he telling Tyra that, that he's, he's yes, like, he well, okay. I wasn't really, yeah. Here's you, the quote. Here's the quote. Uh, Tyra says, I don't know what leads up to this. Tyra says, I don't know. Golf bores me. And then Billy says, yeah, well, I was pretty damn good. I had three top tens on the Hooters. qualifiers. <laughs> Uh, the Hooters qualifying tour. And I'm sorry. It hadn't been, if it hadn't been for September 11th, I probably gotten my card. 
<laughs> that might be my quote of the episode. Yeah. And so the entire says, so what? It's the terrorist's fault? <laughs> and then Billy says, no, I'm not blaming the terrorists. I just... Yeah, and then uh, and then we do learn a little more about the the Riggins uh, parents. The, you know, the next their, their dad left at Christmas time, which is a bummer. Mom was drunk and super angry. She never saw Billy play football. And then uh, Tyra does make the comment that she says something along the lines of she learned more in two minutes from talking to Billy than a whole year of dating Tim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but apparently, yeah, Billy was a <laughs> Billy was an exceptional golfer. If it wasn't yes. for that dang September eleventh, he got his card. card. Yep. All right. So backing up a little bit, we have the whole storyline of Smash and Grady Hunt. So, like we said before, Grady Hunt is this big, big uh, prospect scout. He is kind of a, a kingmaker, if you will, uh, with high school football players, if you get on his list, then uh, things are going to look good for you going into college football. That's it. And all that. And so uh, there's a scene where apparently uh, Grady Hunt is just hanging out with the the Smash Williams family. I don't know. He's at their house. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And Smash is showing off his uh, acceptance letters or his recruitment letters. Yeah, he's naming all these colleges and Grady Hunt's like, well, yeah, anyone who can who can run a 40 without falling flat on their face has got these letters. Um, but then smash says, uh, quote, Oh no, see, I got a plan. I'm going to get a scholarship. I'm going to go to college. And then when I turn pro buy my mom with the biggest house in Kerr County, Sheila gets the escalade and little sis gets a pony. <laughs> uh, and little sis jumps in and is like, mm, that's right. Uh-huh. Brian. Yeah, that's right. Brian. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then which, Hold on. Yep. I think this may be the first time that it's revealed that Smash's real name is Brian Williams. Brian. Brian. Which, what a weird way to go <laughs> when you're naming a fictional character to name him the same name as a like very popular, especially at the time, newscaster. Now kind oh, of ashamed. I never thought of that. Yeah, Brian Williams. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> We find something to think Brian. Every time I hear somebody named Brian now, I always say Brian (laughs) because that's how I don't know his sister says it. So Smash is having this conversation with Grady Hunt. Then we kind of fast forward. We see him on game day. He's in the locker room four hours before the game. Coach kind of stumbles upon him, like, What are what are you doing here, man? (laughs) We got a game, coach. And like, well, yeah, it's in it's in four hours. (laughs) Uh, he's just kind of studying plays and he asks coach, Hey coach, what do you know about this Grady hunt guy? This is one of my quotes. And coach says, Grady hunt, Grady hunt. I know Grady hunt has a list of people like you on it to look at why. And then (laughs) smash says, everybody says he has the power to make or break you. He ain't no Jesus or nothing, (laughs) but he's coming. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for pointing that out. Smash that Grady Hunt is not Jesus, but he is coming. He is coming, and then Coach gives a, a pretty inspiring speech where he says, "Grady Hunt's not going to make or break number twenty. You're going to make or break number twenty. Um, and kind of has a good coach moment there. And Smash goes ahead and does not take that advice. And <laughs> no, 
he has a rough game. Yeah, let's get into the to the actual game. Homecoming game uh, versus Larrabee. Uh, like we said, Jason busts through the banner first. It's very emotional. I'd like to point out that once again, Landry is sitting by Grandma Saracen for some <laughs> other reason. And then later we see, you can't see both of them at the same time, but later we see Landry and he's also sitting by Mrs. Coach. So presumably Landry is sitting in between <laughs> Grandma Saracen and, and Tammy Coach. Taylor. So <laughs> Landry, keeping it weird. Yeah, <laughs> yes, very much so. I thought maybe, like, okay, maybe Matt has, like, recruited him to keep an, an eye on Grandma Sarah. Oh, that does make sense. Yeah. Um, so, I could kind of understand it a little bit that way. Um, <laughs> but I like to just maybe cons- just keep Speculate. it. That, yeah, that uh, Landry's just weird and sitting by Grandma Grandma Saracen. I prefer that theory as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, the Panthers really need this win to keep playoff hopes alive. Uh, and then right off the bat, the uh, Larrabee, I don't remember what their mascot is, but Larrabee is running the option and they're just killing the Panthers. Uh, Smash is pulling a huge boner <laughs> the whole game. Playing terribly. Just embarrassing. Um, yeah. And they go into the half down 10. Coach Taylor is furious. Yeah. He pulls him aside, calls him out for worrying too much about Grady Hunt, threatens to pull him uh, if he doesn't pull it together a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then they go out, second half starts, and what we see is Smash immediately fumbling the ball, it, which they return for a touchdown. But Tim Riggins steps up. Boom. Newly sober, Tim Riggins is going to step up take over this game and he is just a regular Joel Dykstra out there. (laughs) Platt reference number 16 or whatever we're at now. He Uh, is absolutely killing it. And the, for my money, obvious music cue of the week, Nazareth hair of the dog. Absolutely. That's what I had to, it is without a doubt. Unquestionable choice. Yep. Um, And, Riggin steps up, just has an exceptional game, and the Panthers win by, like, a pretty wide margin. Yeah, this one does not come down to the end of no. the game. We don't, I don't think we find out what the actual ending score was, but it's, it's well in hand. It's uh, implied that game. it is a handy win. Yes, uh, which is great. Like I said, I love to see uh, Tim Riggins succeeding on the football field. I just love that. You know, to use a a, a well used phrase that that uh, hard nose smash mouth football, <laughs> where yes. he's just plowing over people, uh, which is good. Uh, he's even got the like cowboy collar. I don't know if you remember, like mm-hmm. Tim Riggins has the cowboy collar, which is just a great indicator of this dude is gonna run you over and not look back. Uh, so it was a great game. We see. <laughs> Grady Hunt is obviously there for Smash Williams, and we see him leave the football game in disgust because Smash is just, yeah, stinking it up out there. Smash sees him go, sees him leave, and he is torn up about it. That's basically the end of the Smash for that game. Yeah, Smash Um, really plays no part in the second half whatsoever. In fact, I think he says that, like, I didn't even touch the ball in the second half. Yeah. Um, However... We do get a 
little closing in inspiration speech from coach. Yeah. It was and great. He says, you know, there's no, my, no doubt in my mind who gets the game ball for this, for this game. Yep. And Tim Riggins pops up. He doesn't even have to say Tim Riggins name. Like people are shoving Tim Riggins. Yeah. Yeah. It is clear who is the hero of this game to the forefront. And there's a nice little moment. I don't know if you caught this or not. Um, Angie and I both did. So mm-hmm. maybe you did, but, um, Tim Riggins gives a speech and Taylor Kitsch's Canadian accent sneaks (laughs) through um, because he starts off with, you know, coach is always talking about, (laughs) he says it just like that. He is full on Texan. Like I honestly, in the next episode, I was like really noting there's moments where he he has a really good Texas accent, but When he said, coach is always talking about, and he just comes through <laughs> so Canadian. And and I said it to Angie, and like we looked at each other, and she's like, that sounded Canadian. And I was like, yep. <laughs> and as I'm like, I'm taking notes. Angie's like, oh, he is Canadian. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, see, <laughs> like, I didn't even know that, but yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, I feel bad because I feel like in either the, the teaser episode or episode one, like I kind of crapped on his acting a little bit. Uh, and said that there were like Jesse Plemons was the only one to make it big. Um, Taylor Kitsch is actually, I've watched, I've specifically gone out and watched some movies since then. And Taylor Kitsch, like he's, he's had a nice career for himself. The, the, the issue with Taylor Kitsch is not Taylor Kitsch. I think he has the talent. It's just, he picks projects so poorly, even like sure. Friday Night Lights, which was a critical darling, but like, especially at the time, People weren't watching it. No, like no. the fact that it made it to five seasons is is an absolute miracle. Yeah, and then he jumped from that to they tried to give him a starring vehicle with John Carter, which flopped. Which I watched like in the, in the last couple weeks. It's really good. I enjoyed that movie. It was great. He did a good job. Jordan Erickson, friend of the show, and I went to that movie in theaters, and we both like came out. And I remember being like, <laughs> we both were like, that was really good. And yep. I think it was opening weekend, and then we saw the numbers. And I mean, our theater wasn't really full, and we were both like, "Man, it's a bummer that movie flopped because yeah. it was really good." Yeah. And then he did season two of True Detective, which is, I mean, yeah. infamous, infamously just convoluted and bad for being season two to what I would argue is maybe my favorite season of television ever in season one. Right. It's. I mean, it would be top five for me for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, but then he kind of followed it up with, again, like a claim, but no audience. He did an HBO movie called like The Kind Heart or the, I gotta look it up. Yeah. But it was, um, it was a movie with Mark Ruffalo and The Normal Heart. He did, and we can talk about this for a second, but he did the X-Men Origins Wolverine movie, the first attempt. <laughs> yeah, that's the, what I remember him from. At the X-Men Origins Wolverine movie. And I remember being so excited because he was Gambit. And if you're a kid from the 90s, you love Gambit. Like Absolutely. that's just like default. And that movie was just so not good. It was bad. And I feel like if I remember correctly, he had like three lines, maybe. Like yeah. they didn't let him talk. Yep. He which wasn't I enough. took to mean like Taylor Kitsch sucks. They're just going to put him in there for like name recognition and not let him speak because he can't act. Mm -hmm. So that clouded my, my judgment of him. And then like, just, 
just looking at his filmography, it's like John Carter flopped, Battleship flopped, which I think was a Peter Berg movie. Oh, really? I I've never, I've not heard good things about I Battleship. <laughs> I haven't seen it and I haven't heard good things, but it is a Peter Berg movie. Okay. Um, so I should check that one out. And he's top build. He is the... Really? If you go yeah, to Oh, IMDb, yeah, I do remember that. Yep. And third build is Rihanna, and I love Rihanna, so I should really watch that movie. Um, he was in the Ridley Scott movie, Savages. Oliver Stone, not Ridley Scott. He mm-hmm. was in the Oliver Stone movie, Savages, which I remember hmm. seeing and really liking a lot, but that movie didn't do anything. And then he was in The Normal Heart, which got a lot of praise, but no audience. Mm-hmm. He was in Lone Survivor, which... <laughs> I feel like had the audience, but not the acclaim. Yeah. So nobody paid attention. I remember really enjoying that movie, but yeah, not like a super critically acclaimed yeah. thing. And a Mark Wahlberg uh, military movie. Yeah, that was a 100% Mark Wahlberg vehicle. Yep. And then most recently, he had the the Waco miniseries, which yes. I feel like everybody who's seen it loves it. But it still, it just doesn't get that. He just somehow cannot get the attention that he deserves. Where no. I, I stand hard for Taylor. <clears throat> I did watch the the Waco series within the last couple months, and yeah, phenomenal. And then I like you know kind of dig deep and look into David Koresh and like the actual dude, and it seems like he did a phenomenal job. Yeah, he's a really good actor. Him. He just can't get that. He can't find that balance between audience and and acclaim, and it's it's really shame. I, I I obviously he's him, so he hasn't given up on himself. But like, I really hope that that the American audiences haven't given up on him because I really think that there is a there's something out there for Taylor Kitsch, and I hope that yeah. And I, I think with Waco being on Netflix, I think has brought a new audience to it because I watched it when yeah. it aired mm-hmm. and Angie and I watched it and we loved it. And of course I was alive during that time as were you. And and mm-hmm. I, I vaguely remember it. I mostly remember it because of the VH1 I Love the 90s series, which really <laughs> brought it back to my my, yep. my forefront. But it was really good and he was really good in it. And And I think that when it came to Netflix... Like, I remember even seeing people posting stuff about, like, hey, did you see the Waco series? Like, yeah, for sure. And so I, I hope that brought a new audience to him, and I hope it gets him some, some acclaim and some, um, some much-needed love because we, we, stand, we stand a king right on. in Taylor Kitsch. Absolutely. I, yeah. I, <clears throat> I've come around on him, like, pretty much 180 since we started this podcast, honestly. Uh, with kind of digging deeper into what he's done, and he does kind of kind of have a little bit of a narrow style of how he acts, you know. Like, but <clears throat> as far as I'm concerned, everything that he has, every role that he has chosen uh, to act in, like it's it's worked flawlessly. Like he's yeah. really really good. So really yeah, good. maybe a little narrow, but. Whatever. I man, I really think that that John Carter thing. I think if that would have worked out, we'd be looking at like uh, our generation's Tom Cruise. Like I really yeah. do think that he could have really expanded upon that if that movie would have just gotten the audiences. Or because it is good. It's a yeah. good movie. If it's you have Disney Plus, yes. uh, go ahead and go watch John Carter, and it's pretty legit. I just watched it within the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So Taylor Kitsch, 
We're with you, man. Let's go. Friend of the show. If you ever want to join the podcast, <laughs> come on. You're welcome to be a guest. Come on. Yeah. So meanwhile, we've got Smash who goes to Grady's hotel room, motel room. Yeah, creeping. Uh, and kind of knocks on the door and says, listen, am I going to make your list? And Grady's kind of like, it doesn't look good. <laughs> right. So he kind of tells him, you know, you're small to begin with. Mm-hmm. You had a very bad game from the the one game I watched. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like your chances. And Smash is pretty discouraged, understandably discouraged. Yep. yep. Grady specifically tells him, work on your strength and your conditioning. Mm-hmm. Your, your, your size is the main concern that I have. Let's let's also remember that Smash is still a junior, so he is really freaking out about this. But he's still got a whole another year of football left, yeah, uh, to turn this around. But he's but, being unreasonable, and it's only going to get worse. I do, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he found out like what motel room Grady Hunt was yeah. in. Yeah, but that's creepy. It's I feel like that's not a good look for you. Yeah, unless. <laughs> I'm going to assume that Grady Hunt maybe was like, here's my contact info and maybe wrote his hotel room number on the back just to be like, I'm looking out, I'm looking for you. Like, I, you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to assume that maybe Grady gave him some contact information, especially because Grady came to his house. (laughs) Right. He was like hanging out with the, with the Williamses. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Pretty intimately. So that's true. But yeah, it's not a great interaction. Smash doesn't come off real great. Work on your size and strength, all that. Work on your conditioning and lifting. So then we get the scene where Matt Saracen finally asks out Julie Taylor. <laughs> yeah. And Josh, I think you've, you've got that all written down. I'd like you to recount that scene. Yeah. Uh, so, Julie. So it must feel pretty good winning the big game and all. Pause. Well, uh, you want to go on a date with me? <laughs> Matt Saracen says. Julie. Uh, Matt follows up. Uh, maybe or or not. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, but it's probably a bad idea. <laughs> Matt really putting his best foot forward. Yeah. There. Matt Saracen, truly a goofus maloofus. And also... <laughs> also a moment that made me think that maybe I should have gotten the Matt Saracen nod in the, uh, in the Twitter poll. (laughs) (laughs) You resonated with that moment. (laughs) I I have 100% been in, in those shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the, the just straight up, you want to go out with me and then the complete undermining of everything that you just, Uh, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Bad idea. Uh, mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, um, Matt and Julie, honestly, at this point, very, very cute, very adorable, even in Matt's aw shucks, goofus, maloofus way, pretty endearing, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but they are at this like wild, crazy high school wide drinking party, which I $25 a head. I, yeah, I still don't understand why Julie is there 
or why Landry is there. I mean, Matt is QB one, so of course he's going to be there. So Smash but, probably paid that that twenty five dollars on for Matt. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 As we're especially going to learn in the next episode, and as we've yeah. talked about, Ugh. there is a strong Matt Saracen and Smash bromance, which I absolutely love to see. Yeah. And Smash takes it kind of to uncomfortable places in the next episode, but yes. obviously we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yep. Anything else in the episode proper? Otherwise, I have some deleted seeds moments to bring out. Yes. So the, the episode does close out with we see Smash starting to experiment with. <laughs> oh yeah, it's literally okay. So the game goes horrible. He goes and sees Grady Hunt in his motel room, presumably Friday night after the game, right? And then, as far as we can tell, it's Saturday morning, and he is shooting steroids into his butt yes. uh, within one day of that horrible game. And where because Mama Smash is knocking on the door, and I can't remember where she is. She's like, we got to go to... Game film. Game you got film. game yep. film. Game, game yep. film. Yep. So that's, and deleted, that is presumably the next Yep. Episode. Deleted scenes will shed a little more light on that. But but yeah, well, it is. Well, in the, ne- in the next episode, we get Sunday also. Oh, right. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, literally less than 24 hours after Smash blows it in this game, he is shooting hours, up. Arguably. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's true. Uh, he is shooting hormones into his rear end. Um. Yeah, and that's how that's how the episode ends, correct? Yes. Yep. That is the yeah. last shot is uh Smash, yeah, injecting. <laughs> my my four year old was pretty concerned that he was injecting himself. Aww. He's like, Oh, he's giving himself a shot. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if my four year old is ready for Friday Night Lights. Yeah. But, uh, wow. Okay. I'll probably bad dad. <laughs> I'll probably cut that out. <laughs> Um, okay, so deleted <laughs> scenes. Uh, I don't remember what the full extent of the scene was, but I would just like to point out that Tyra hands Billy uh, a Nokia brick phone at yes. some point in the deleted scenes. So we see another uh, potentially occurrence. a second Nokia yeah. brick phone. Yep, yep. And it's blue. Say presumably. Were, were there other colors besides blue? Because that's what my mom had, and that's what both brick phones have been so far. My mom had. What I would describe as black, maybe it was a dark blue. My yeah, my, I mean, my family's was very um, blue. So okay. if yours was, yours was black. black, then yeah. it was probably black. But <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. So that's one deleted scene. Um, there is uh, so that that last scene of Smash shooting up steroids kind of comes out of nowhere in the the regular episode, but in the deleted scenes, there is a little talk earlier in the episode about. Um, the football team, the Dillon Panthers are talking about how Larrabee is huge and how they must be using steroids. And it's thrown out that one of the the Panthers, their brother can get, um, knows a dude that can get whatever, whenever, wherever, anytime, oh. anything, any place. Um, so we get a little foreshadowing through the deleted okay. scenes that that um, there is access to steroids. <laughs> um, there's another scene where um, Matt and Julia are going up to some sort of like walk up um, 
fast food window or something, Matt stumbles upon Julie and Matt says, did you guys vote yet? And Julie says, oh, that's right. So many brave young men died so that we could have the right to vote for homecoming court. (laughs) (laughs) And then Julie's friend says, sorry, uh, she's dehydrated. And (laughs) Matt responds, oh, uh, that's all right. It's really hot out. You should drink some water. You should get on that. <laughs> so, a really good Matt and Julie moment. Um, but yeah, those those are the the deleted scenes. Not not much of consequence except a little foreshadowing of the steroids that make that make it a little less surprising that all of a sudden Smash is uh, injecting himself in the yeah. butt. So. All right, I think we will uh, end our plot synopsis there and we'll come back with some character discussions. Yes. All right, so let's get a little more in-depth into a couple of the characters. I'd like to start out with Smash. We get a lot of Smash in this episode. Um, Big-time Smash development, for sure. Yeah, um, kind of his ups and downs, his confidence, his... Uh, second guessing and more into himself. Smash, really, we all we've seen of him so far is that he is extremely confident in himself. Uh, even when you know Jason went down, broke his back, life-altering, tragic injury. Smash in the same episode is like, all right, this is my team now. I got this. I'm going to show them how it's done. We're going to take this to unimaginable new heights. <laughs> State champions. State champions. <laughs> uh, um, but we see an, another side of Smash in, in this episode. Uh, he, he comes to grips with the fact that he's undersized. Um, he had a terrible game in front of Grady Hunt, the prospect scout. So what are you, I don't know, what are you seeing from Smash in this episode? Yeah, um, I think we see a lot of of real character development with Smash because we see him still being Smash and still doing his mm-hmm. thing. But at the same time, we see kind of that human insecurity in him and um, it really, really getting to him, even though he's not showing it at all um, from an emotional level. Right. Yeah, and... Man, does he he chokes so hard in the game, but it means so much to him at the same time. Like, I'm not sure if it's in this episode or the next, but either way, he he kind of I'm pretty sure it's this episode. So in this in this episode, we see he he makes the comment that he he says, I'm this family's meal ticket. Mm-hmm. And he let the family down in front of the in front of the big you know the big stage in front of the big prospect scout and all that, and so, um, yeah, we just see this this really weak soft side of Smash where, when self confidence was basically not lacking in the slightest, now all of a sudden is gone, completely stripped away. Yeah, we see him definitely completely unsure of himself while at the same time while speaking to others still like he's, you know, God's gift to football. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's a good, a good humanizing development for smash and especially, um, the steroid angle, which we'll 
get more into in the yep. next episode. Yeah, so that's Smash. Um, yeah, really, really putting some depth to that, putting some a new angle to his character. Uh, we also get a picture into Tim Riggins, and it's it's a little bit more of the same, but we get a little bit deeper picture into kind of where he's coming from, um, what his history is, what is what kind of what has shaped him. Yeah, in in this episode and the next, we really get a little bit more depth into both Riggins brothers, and we kind of see Tim Riggins do the opposite of Smash, where we don't necessarily see this confidence coming from him, but at the same time, on a personal level, we see him get more confident and get more healthy and and stop drinking as a conscious decision. So it's kind of, a, yeah. it's very inverse to smash. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He, he puts drinking aside, he starts running, he, he's putting in all this effort and it pays off mm-hmm. and <laughs> where smash fails miserably. It allows Tim to step in really uh, kind of have success like he hasn't had before. And we'll see later that that spurs Billy uh, Tim's brother to be like, oh, well, I think we got something here. Yeah. And I think we need to double down, double down on this, um, which is a big turn for Tim because Tim in the previous episodes has just been, and even at the beginning of this episode, has really been feeling like I am a terrible person mm-hmm. and I am basically stabbing my best friend in the back by um, having this affair with his uh, girlfriend <laughs> Lila is we start out the episode with Lila basically telling Tim all the reasons why he is just awful and never going to make anything of himself, um, which really yeah, spurs on Tim to take things into his own hands and turn the corner, turn over a new leaf and um, it pays off for him. And he has this incredible game. Yeah. Tim and, and smash are almost kind of alternating switching places here in this episode and we'll see uh how long both of those character switches last yeah right maybe (laughs) maybe not super permanent but uh i mean just the fact that we have a big rig beer tally and (laughs) tim is currently sober uh maybe maybe points might be an indication yeah lila is still being lila she is playing both sides of the field for sure. Big time. And so is Tim. Oh, yeah, definitely. He is being Jason's best friend, but at the same time, uh, wanting to have a relationship with Lila. Lila is, I don't know, awful, but at the same time, <laughs> trying to be the all-American girlfriend for her all-American paralyzed boyfriend. I mean, we get we get a little bit of that, a li- like another small taste of the Matt and Julie mm-hmm. uh, relationship, which will come to love and then come to really hate. <laughs> right. And other than that, I mean, you know, another, I don't know if we get a taste of Coach and Mrs. Coach in this episode. I don't have any notes about uh, either of them. I feel like so, I mean, we get scene. we get a little bit of more humanizing of Coach because of the uh, situation with, Lucas. Lucas Mice, yep. And Tammy does, you know, kind of have that line about 
coach is like, I'm not his dad. I don't know why he's coming to me. And mm-hmm. and Tammy kind of affirms that, like, this is not your responsibility. I don't know what he's doing by all this. But, yeah, we don't get a ton of Tammy. We don't get a ton of Landry. We don't, honestly, we don't get a ton of Saracen even. No. Yeah, no, the, the stars of this show are definitely Smash and Riggins. Yep. Um, and everybody else is kind of beside uh, character, so yep, and <laughs> and I guess Billy Riggins has his own, <laughs> yes, yeah, which a touch of the the f- former exceptional golfer. Which will, <laughs> I think I'm gonna try and dig into once we get to the awards. So, why don't we move on to the awards? All right, we will be right back with our awards for this week. All right. Uh, as always, let's start off with the Coach Taylor Inspo rating of the week. I feel like we had a little more to work with this week. What were your thoughts on Coach? Yeah, Coach was great this week. I loved the halftime speech, specifically the the halftime speech to Smash. Yes, um, he pulled him aside. <laughs> kind of yeah. remind me of. I don't think we can go through an episode without talking about this, but uh, it kind of reminded me of. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't there, but I, I've got a lot of secondhand story uh, telling of there was a, a plat high basketball game where, <laughs> where uh, I don't know where you're going with this. It, I'm it came, excited. It came to halftime and, you know, everybody's in the locker room and Alan Weir. Yes. Third Alan uh, Weir reference. I love it. Uh, assistant uh, basketball coach <laughs> just took his uh, like, you know, marker pad <laughs> and just wrote, just wrote not good. <laughs> and showed it to everybody. <laughs> I feel like that's how coach felt at halftime of this game. Yeah. <laughs> not good. Yeah, he does. <laughs> He does have some good come to Jesus moments with Smash for yeah. sure during halftime. He he chews out the whole team, but then he pulls aside Smash and basically says, like, forget about freaking Grady Hunt. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you need to get it together. And if you don't get it together, we're gonna make some changes. Mm-hmm. And then he does make some changes. And I feel like that is that's a sign of a good coach. Like, if you're willing to put your best player on the bench when he is <laughs> uh, not doing well and go another direction. Uh, yeah, that's a good coach. So, and then he has a nice speech after the game for Tim. So I found coach pretty inspirational. I agree. Uh, I agree. So, I mean, I've been pretty hard on him admittedly the last couple episodes. Um, so I would, I, I'll give him, I'm very open to hearing what you have to say. Yeah, um, coach. In this episode, I'm going to go kind of the other way with it. Okay, um, especially because most of this episode didn't really do a lot for me. Yeah, and outside of the final, the game and and the speech, there wasn't a whole lot for coach to do. I didn't think he was okay. all that inspirational. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give him just a, a a strong five. Okay. Because of that speech. Yep. That's actually pretty much right on with where I'm at. I I gave him a six. 
Okay. Um, because yeah, I've been like I said, I've been pretty hard on him in the last few episodes, but I actually felt like he had something to do. He had um the opportunity to call out Smash and he had the opportunity to make the decision to go to Riggins. So uh I gave him a six. Um I feel I don't know I don't know what our kind of average has been, but I feel like that's it's a low point, I would say for yeah, sure. Yeah. So um let's go with uh, let's go with a six just because I still feel like that's lower than what we've been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a six for the coach Taylor inspirating. Um we'll round up there, give him the benefit of the doubt. I like it. Julie Taylor Taylor Hadometer. I was pretty neutral on this. Yeah, I was gonna give her just a flat zero. She doesn't have a lot to do in this episode aside from be asked out by Matt, which she ha- doesn't make a decision on until late in the next episode. So, yep, there's not a whole lot for Julie to do in this episode. Yep, so pretty neutral. So are you good with just a zero? We're just we're yeah. we're neutral on Julie this episode, absolutely. Um, which is an okay place to be. The big rig beer tally. Uh, we came out to one, just right one. in the blue yep. solo cup. Yep, at the very beginning. You know he's drunk. So he, we can assume there's probably more. But he definitely had more. He's got a tolerance. He's Tim Riggins. But what we see on screen is what we count, and yep. we we have one. Yep, um, one confirmed. It is a little concerning though, because he goes sober. He decides to be sober in this episode. So I feel like our big rig beer tally is in peril. If this was our first time through. We might be worried. <laughs> and we had made that decision to have the big Greek beer. Tally <laughs> we would be feeling, uh, we would truly would be, have acted the fool. Dear listeners, fear not. <laughs> <laughs> we're, yeah, we're going to be okay on this. Um, the Buddy Garrity sleazeball move of the week. Uh, we didn't get a ton of Buddy Garrity in this. No, not a lot for Buddy to do. He did have that moment, which we we love. Yeah, it was of, great. Of him lip syncing along <laughs> with the radio <laughs> broadcast. And yeah. I think it really adds a new dimension to just how, like I said, how pathetic Buddy Garrity's <laughs> life is. So maybe not a sleazeball moment of the week. It's maybe just a kind of a bummer moment of the week yeah. for, for him. But um, yep. uh, it's really his only moment of the week. I'm going to say there's no ball moment of the week because we really do get a positive outlook on Buddy because he's like dancing with Lila at the pep rally too and he's looking That's like a right. good dad. So yeah. I'm going to call it it's no no Buddy Garrity sleazeball movie move of the week. It's it's yeah, that's good. That's good. And I did notice the 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 dancing with Lila at the pep rally. That was nice. Uh, so as we record this episode two released today and. Uh, I had a text today from once again, friend of the podcast, Jordan Erickson. And I actually thought, had this same thought as I was listening to episode two today. I just want to, this is going to be a rewind back to episode two. Remember five episodes ago? (laughs) Remember five episodes ago? Yeah. Uh, Jordan pointed out that in that episode where after church, Buddy is like, (laughs) <laughs> where during during church they are praying for Jason mm-hmm. who has just been paralyzed that not only is it sleazy 
that Buddy is like trying to figure out a plan for the season moving forward, like completely just glossing over the fact that a young man has been paralyzed. That is his presumed future son-in-law. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, didn't we didn't even, even talk yeah. about that. That didn't even no, cross my mind. Yeah, yeah. Not only is it super callous just from like a Dylan Panther fan point of view, but like, assumedly, Jason was going to be a part of yeah. his like immediate family. And he is moving on. So anyway, that is like and back several episodes, but yeah. No, that to my knowledge, the Garrity's only have Lila. I think she might be an only child from what we ever see. No, so far that's oh. what we ever see. But in the I've actually thought about this. In the future, all of a sudden she has a younger brother. Right. Okay. But so yes. I was gonna say there was maybe a possibility that I could see Buddy Garrity trying to talk Jason Street into becoming Jason Garrity when he and Lila get married. But now that you mentioned, I do. I do remember the the younger brother. Yeah, they're out of nowhere. There's a there's like a 15 year old kid who has a lot of attitude towards Buddy later on, but. Yeah, anyway, okay. So not really a Buddy Garrity sleazeball move of the week, but we do get a little bit of deepening of feeling sorry for Buddy at yes, just who he is and what. We are generally neutral to our uh, normally high emotion characters this week, which yeah. I, I think it felt like a, a low energy episode. Now, once we get to the, the energy or to the episode rankings, excuse me. Yeah. We do that. Yeah. We've had plenty to talk about, but it, yeah, overall it didn't seem like a super important episode. No, sure. it didn't. Yeah. No. Um, notable music cues. We both sounds like we came with the same thing. Hair of the dog. Absolutely. Nazareth. No uh, question about it. I went back. I mean, I knew of that song, but I went back and listened to it <laughs> That is a phenomenal song. It is uh, a banger. Yeah. Um, the last time that Angie and I went back to Platt, which was less than a month ago, it was about a month ago for my little brother's high school graduation. We, it's kind of a tradition. Once we reach a certain point, which is about North of Mitchell, <laughs> I always pop on Big Jim 933. Oh, yeah. Uh, the classic conversation. Right? That's out a- of Huron. Oh, Huron. Okay. You're thinking of Magic 93. Yeah, you're is, right. Yeah. yeah. But Big Jim. Yep. Yeah. Big Jim 93.3. Rock of the James River Valley. Yep. End of the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> we popped it on because you can't go wrong with the classic rock station in my mind. You, no. You put that on. You know exactly what you're getting, but yep. it's, it's always going to be good. Mm-hmm. And bangers only. Bangers only. I mean, you might get like the occasional like "Don't Stop Believing," which I could do without. But <laughs> for the most part, you're I getting mean, that's arguably still a banger, even if you don't like it. Um, yeah. That's oh, yeah. Bad. That's true. Um, personal opinion discounted. But <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, God, I hope we hear "Hair of the Dog," <laughs> and I believe in fate, and it, it was. <laughs> We were in front of the Platt Enterprise itself when when no Dog came on. Yeah. Oh my god. And gosh. I was hype. I was so excited. So no, I love the song. I remember the summer that you and I watched this originally, 2008. Yeah. Um 
I remember being very, very into Hair of the Dog that summer. I'm pretty sure it was on my summer 2008 playlist. Yeah. Um, let me, I'm actually going to pull up my iTunes. Well, as, okay. And when they played this, wasn't it during like kind of when Tim Riggins is taken over? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's Tim Riggins theme song for my money. Which Hair of the Dog, Hangover Cure, right? And Tim mm-hmm. is uh, turning the corner and going sober and putting in extra effort. Yep. And for the record, track six on my 2008 summer playlist yes. is indeed Hair of the Dog by Nazareth. That why was. Don't, why don't you read us one through five? All right. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be for one of, for track number one and track number five, especially, and I will defend one of them. <laughs> it's very telling of the time. So track one is Viva La Vida by Coldplay. <laughs> okay. And I mean, that was their summer. Yeah. Like, and that I album, won't hold it against you, but I will still defend that that album. And I saw them on tour on that tour, and they were great live. Yeah, I don't think you can argue with Coldplay live. No, uh, but Coldplay in general is another story. Yeah. Sure. Viva La Vida is their second best album, and arguably their last great album. I would say, which is, yeah. I mean, that's twelve years ago. So, um, I will <laughs> I will discount them, but it is their second best album, and it is their last great album. Their first, their best album, obviously is Russian blood to the head, which is yep. yeah. Front to back bangers. Yep. Track number two on my summer 2008 playlist is werewolves of London by Warren Zavon. Okay. Great song. Yep. Which kid rock later bastardized, but we won't get into that. <laughs> oh no. Track number three is one bourbon, one scotch, one beer by George Thurgood and the destroyers, yes. which has been mentioned on this show. Ah, because a cover of it was played in an earlier episode. Nice. That. Boom. Track number four is Supernatural Super Serious by R.E.M., mm-hmm. which was uh, from their album of either that year or the year before, but that it got a lot of play on Magic 93, I'm pretty sure, that summer. And I was working <laughs> out at Snake Creek that summer, so... It, so um, that was good for me. It was Magic ninety three and Big Jim. That's what you had. To yep, ex- absolutely. Yeah, you can tell from those first four tracks. <laughs> yeah, and track number five, a song that is of the time, but I will defend to this day because the production on it is so so good. Is uh, "I Kissed a Girl" by Katy Perry, which <laughs> I will not argue with you. That chorus comes through like it's gonna kick your ass. I absolutely <laughs> love that song. I I will defend. Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl uh, to the death. I I'll defend everything Katy Perry has done to the death. It is pop music at its finest. All right. And so I guess that leaves us with the episode rating. Um, well, like we've said, not a lot of huge developments. We've got the Smash storyline. We've got the Riggins storyline. The Smash storyline isn't, <laughs> in my opinion, the most important storyline kind of on my list. So... <laughs> Um, I came in, and this is a low for the season. Uh, I came in at a six for this episode. What did, what were you thinking? I was thinking pretty much the same. I was going to say strong five, light six. So Sweet. I'm in the same boat. All right. So let's go with a six for this rating for this episode. Uh, yeah, not, not a great episode, but at the same time, like, man, even at uh, a low point, we, we found plenty to talk about. Yes. This episode. And 
episode eight, I feel like really steps it up. So uh, make sure to tune in next week for episode eight of Reliving the Lights. Uh, I'm Josh Kuypers. This is Anthony Hookman. And that's it for this week. Peace. Let's touch God this time, boys. Let's touch God.